0: That's in the Bible, episode 18. Can we lose our salvation?
1: Troublesome times are here, filling men's hearts with fear. Freedoms we all hold dear, now is at stake. Humbling your hearts to God, sage from the chastening rod, seek the way pilgrims trod, Christians, awake.
0: Hello and welcome back to That's in the Bible. My name's Eric and welcome to episode 18 here of That's in the Bible with Can We Lose Our Salvation and 18 episodes. Wow. Who would have thought when we first started back in January of 2009 we'd be up to episode 18 already. And I don't know, I guess in some ways it does seem like it's been a while, doesn't it? But on the other end hopefully (laughs) are steve and matthew steve are you there i am here all right the reason i say that is we just started this intro again for the second time because for the first time ever skype disconnected everyone right here in the intro so we're back again and steve over in western new york and matthew also up in syracuse matt how are you
2: I'm doing real good. Well, I'm, I'm here. I'm uh, I'm still on. So if, as long as you can hear me, we're still here. All right. That's
0: that's a good sign. And <laughs> and uh, this time when I say what's new, what's been happening, uh, hopefully I'll get an answer.
1: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> go ahead, Steve. You go first. Well, we're just uh, uh, hanging out and uh, living for God, discipling somebody. So I did that a little bit earlier this evening and have an opportunity to... Deal with a friend of mine by the name of Randy, who is interested in learning the Bible. So, Amen. got a got a personal hand in someone's life, which is uh, the Lord's allowed me to do that uh, uh, throughout my saved life, and and uh, appreciate it greatly. It's a it's a great opportunity. Also, got a chance to go to Toledo over the weekend. Uh, one of my sons is, which is going to Bible school down in Pensacola was able to make it up to Toledo area. Uh, and I have a daughter that lives there as well. And so we were went over for the weekend and saw both of them and and uh, uh, just had a real good time being with family. Steve and his wife uh, came over also. So we had uh, everyone there except for David. He had to stay with the dogs. So we left him here with the dogs. Yeah, so dog had, duty. Everybody else, had a, everybody else had a great time, so... <laughs>
0: Yeah, I, I won't tell you what happened to me once when uh, I was I was, I was asked to uh, dog sit. Actually, just to check in and feed the the dog for uh, Pastor Matt here, and he said, you know, it's a black lab, it's a great dog, it's wonderful, and all you have to do is let it out to the bathroom. And I said, well, I'll only be able to come like twice, twice, you know, in the day. Oh, I got somebody else coming in the afternoon. All right. <laughs> well, uh, apparently. Um, I believe his wife had fed the dog uh, a mountain of ham oh. upon, upon their <laughs> leaving.
1: Oh, and when I,
0: <laughs> when I opened the door, it was not a good situation.
2: <laughs> I remember that, too. I remember talking to you, and it was like hours later, and you were still having trouble talking about it.
0: Uh, I don't have a great stomach to begin with. And then when, uh, you know, I won't go into too much detail. But <clears throat> So I was there in the morning. And there was supposed to be someone else come in the afternoon, and I was going to come again after work. And for a good long pause, I said to myself, you know what? I could say this didn't happen in the morning.
1: <laughs> <laughs> oh, man.
0: But I didn't do that. I, With one hand pinching my nose and the other <laughs> hand pinching a, a, a paper bag or whatever it was I used, I... <laughs> And a dog
1: I, licking your face, loving every minute of uh, <laughs> it.
0: Was, it was horrible. I don't let him forget it either to this day. <laughs> so anyway, that's my sidetrack story of taking care of a dog. What's going on with you, Matt?
2: Not much. Just uh, Again, just got back from visitation a little while ago. We had a good time. Um, it's actually family visitation in the last uh, month now that we've been having where we try and get a lot of family members from church out with their uh, young kids and stuff and get them kind of no- knocking doors and getting used to that. And uh, and it's real nice. I actually, you know, I don't really have any family here. Dad, you don't live here with me. So uh, I had to go out with a uh, 12 or 13 year old boy His named Zeke and a real nice kid. And went door knocking with them, and I think people are actually more receptive of me with having a young kid there. And, uh, and not a uh, you scary know, I
0: mean, looking, huh? Just,
2: <laughs> no, he can't no, be too uh,
0: bad at kids uh, with him.
2: <laughs> that's right. Yeah. So usually I get, oh, "What do you want?" You know. Most of the time, this time, you know, they look at me and they get that look, and then they look at him and they're like, "Oh, you know, how are you guys doing tonight?" So, uh, so that's my plan from now on. I think uh, I think I'm going to take a little kid along with me, and you know. I'll just ask parents around. You know, hey, can I take one of your kids out for visitation with me uh, tomorrow <laughs> at church? But, uh, but yeah, I mean, it went well. We actually had some good uh, door knocks. Uh, knocked on this uh, one lady's door. She, she, she looked like she was in her thirties, young thirties, and uh, gave her a gospel track. And uh, you know, I, I said uh, I asked her first if she had any church that she, she goes to, and she said no. And, uh, and I said, well, you know, you can be 100% sure that you can go to heaven, and, and she kind of looked at me like puzzled, and, and I said, have you ever heard that before? And she's like, no, I never knew you could know, you know, and I quoted her first John 5.13, that you may know that you have eternal life, and, and she was like, wow, you know, and she looked back at the track again and, and said, well, yeah, I'm going to try and make it this Sunday, you know, and I said, well, if you have a few minutes right now, I can show you right out of the Word of God. You know, he can be a hundred percent sure. And she said no, you know, she I guess she was babysitting some kids, so she couldn't really spend a lot of time there. But but well, praise the Lord. Hopefully she'll be able to come out to church and, and uh hear more of the word of God and get convicted and get saved and and uh you know the um the other kid that I talked to, I talked to a bunch of people today, not you know, a lot of people really didn't have the time or didn't feel like talking to me, but another kid who was actually sixteen years old and and uh has heard of Jesus Christ before but never heard that there was a, a hell that he that he uh was destined for. You know, I gave him the gospel and and you know told him to pray about it. So hopefully, you know, hopefully uh, the Lord will convict him about that and and get saved. But but you know, I, we just had a missionary here just not too long ago, and and uh, he said that he doesn't door knock and and he doesn't uh, go out and pass out tracts in the streets. and And that really affected me. You know, the one thing that he said, um, you know, I'm, I'm not trying to put him down or anything like that. Uh, but you know, he he was saying that you know he just can see that it's not, uh, you know passing on tracks and door knocking is not uh what's working you know and 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 you hear that all the time around here you know and and it's not true i mean you don't know what happens once you leave that track in somebody's hand now it's up to the lord you know i mm-hmm. mean it's not it's not up to you to save somebody or lead them to the lord right then and there you know you got a water you got to plant and and it's just it's hard to hear people say that especially somebody that's um you know either in a mission field or even a pastor
1: yeah I mean. mm-hmm. We were, uh, we were getting ready to leave. Actually, we were coming back from church on Sunday night. Uh, we were a uh, five-hour trip, and we were leaving probably about 9.30 or so, so we got in quite late. Anyway, uh, on the way up to uh, Jessica's apartment, she's there in an apartment complex, a bunch of places outside and stuff, and they had about five or six young strapping lads that were uh, imbibing on the alcoholic beverages and having a barbecue on a very 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 small patio if if all five of them or six of them were there they couldn't stand in the same place but in that patio but anyway they were they were enjoying themselves and you know given the you know the leers of you know looking at us and so forth and my son gave get a bunch of gospel tracks out to them and and the process of coming back you know pack up the car and stuff I had a had a shirt that had the uh, the the navy emblem on it with the goat and so forth and guy one of the kids asked me so you in the navy I said yeah I was in the navy and so we got a conversation going told him I got saved when I was in the navy and after I got out went to bible school and Talked to a couple of them and, and had a good conversation with them for a little while and, and wow. uh, uh, asked them to, to, to read the, uh, the track after a while, you know, when, when things quiet down and cool off and stuff. And So it was just a, you know, you, you go by that situation and you say five, six of them, outnumbered, don't try it, don't do anything. Yeah. And, uh, you know... I think it surprises them that somebody would have the the courage to step up in front of that kind of a crowd and and hand out the tracks anyway. Amen. And then uh, stand in the face of, you know, some of the guys' wisecracks. You know, a couple of them were were interested in hearing what I had to say, and others had the wisecracks. And I think it shocked them that somebody would stand there anyway and take whatever, quote, abuse they were dishing out, which was nothing. And (laughs) – Well, I mean, you, you know, after you – see, you guys got to understand, when I got saved in the in the Navy, I was giving guys that same kind of hard time that the guys that were witnessing to me, I gave them a hard time all the time. Yeah. And so I figure I'm reaping what I sowed. <laughs> <And> so, <laughs> so if guys give me a hard time, that's okay. You know, I used to do it too. So, you know, I just take it with uh, – as part of the territory and press on and if – um, the lord can do something with it so praise the lord amen Amen.
0: that's good well let's go ahead and uh let's go ahead and get into our quote of the day now our quote of the day is with uh one of the founding fathers thomas paine who was uh by all intents and purposes never considered a, a paragon of christianity but here's, this is what he said. He said, quote, When we study the elements of geometry, we think of Euclid. When we speak of gravitation, we think of Newton. How is it then that when we study the works of God in the creation, we, we stop short and do not think of God? It is from the error of the schools in having taught these subjects as accomplishments only and thereby separated the study of them from the being who is the author of them. The evil that has resulted from the error of the schools in teaching natural philosophy as an accomplishment only has been that of generating in the pupils a species of atheism. Wow. Mm. So here's someone that recognized uh, you know, one, of the, one of the corrupting influences of, of our young people way back when.
1: And if it was evil back then, just think what it's like now. <laughs> yeah, now yeah. it's
0: now it's they don't even bat an eyelash and try and call it fact, and you uh-huh. know, not theory.
2: You know, I've I've been doing a lot of studies too on you know, especially what they're teaching now in school. You know, only one side they're teaching the evolution side, and not even not even pretty much mentioning uh, the creation side. And even if they do mention the creation side in the school systems, uh, it's uh, just a kind of downgrade it and bash it and, and all that kind of stuff. And, and we see that. I mean, we, you know, in the school systems now, you know, most of them, they're not giving God the, the credit for for all the laws, you know, the law of thermodynamics, everything. I mean, God created all those laws. You know, we're in these laws. He's not in his own, you know, laws that he made up, you know, law of time, all that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. But, but I saw a s- statistic when I was going through this study, and uh, he said that 75% of kids that were raised in, you know, a Christian home, and uh, were you know saved? It said that they accepted Christ as their Savior, and when they had gone to school and uh, either whether it be high school uh, where they learned evolution there or college, seventy five percent of those kids that were trained up in that way of Jesus Christ uh, lost their faith in the Lord. Now, of course, they didn't lose their salvation, but they they lost their faith. You know, they got backslidden into the world, and uh, all because uh, of what was being taught in the schools. You know, and and it's just sad to see that.
1: Amen. You know what? One of the things that I noticed from that from that quote from from Thomas Paine is even the irreligious men of the day had a reverence for God yeah. that you don't see today. And uh, the other thing is, is that you know today, this is going back several years when my oldest son was in school and he was taking advanced uh, biology. Uh, basically kind of a college course in high school would receive college credits for it and stuff like that, this, uh, this gentleman was writing his own textbook and, and was quite educated in, in the field of biology and, and spouted off the, uh, uh, the fact that evolution was a fact. So. And my son raised his hand and says "Excuse me, sir, you know I believe evolution is a theory he says no, it's a fact and and shot him down in the class, tried to humiliate him, and so forth tried to set the tone real quick and uh you know it it kind of set a <laughs> a bad taste in my son's son's mouth and and uh but just just to say that the uh the arrogance of today in knowing that it's really a theory, and yet stating that it's a fact, and having the the uh, the young minds full of mush <laughs> ready to be uh, indoctrinated, and that's basically yeah. what high school is: is indoctrination. Mm-hmm. That's right. Uh, teaching a philosophy and a theory. Not a theory, but a philosophy of, of life and so forth, which supposedly they're not supposed to do. Uh, but teaching them uh, all of these things that evolution is is so, it's not a theory, it's a fact, and and uh, you know putting down uh, uh, creation, even though they're not they're not giving it free and equal time to defend itself and to present the facts the other way, so. You know, it was it was a really a kind of a love hate relationship there in, in the school between my my son. I mean, he wanted to learn and so forth. And every test he took, he always put up at the top uh, the answers on this t- test do not reflect the uh, the opinion of the <laughs> the student taking the test. And Man. this college prof- or this professor, he he kept saying, "Stop putting that up there." And Steve <laughs> okay. goes. Hey, as long as you, <laughs> as long as you want me to put down answers I don't agree with, I'm still gonna put that up there. So it was it was quite a tussle throughout <laughs> the year. So that's good.
2: Yeah, Steve, when you talk about you know the uh, pretty much indoctrination of the school systems, you know it's not only the teachers that are that are teaching these things that it's fact. You know, I have actually. Uh, um, A quote from one of these uh, biology books, it's from Discover Biology and it's uh, 1981 by Richard uh, C. Lewenton and it says in there, evolution is fact, not theory. Now this is um, quoting it. Birds arose from non-birds and humans from non-humans. No person who pretends any understanding of the natural world can deny these facts any more than she or he can deny that the earth is round, rotates on its axis, and revolves around the sun. Just like uh, Thomas Paine was saying. I mean, you know, we've taken uh, all those things that the earth is round and rotates around the axis and we just make it mold into evolution now, you know, and it's a fact in the school systems. And and it's just amazing indoctrination that's happening in the schools.
0: Yeah, man. Well, we've got, uh, I think, a good uh, another good lesson today, and it's on, um, what's the name of it again, Matt?
2: Can We Lose Our Salvation.
0: Can We Lose Our Salvation. And if you have not, it, it really, I think, goes hand in hand with our episode 17 that Steve brought us last time, What Does It Mean to Be Saved? And I would I would encourage you, if you have not listened to What Does It Mean to Be Saved? That's episode 17. I would encourage you to listen to that first before you listen to Can We Lose Our Salvation. I think it's going to uh, just uh, lay the groundwork better for you. And and both of those are, <clears throat> the one Matt's about to do and the one that Steve did last time, I think are r- straight to the point, and I think they're very important episodes. Um, and And both of those, I think, are also that the same kind of questions that we hear all the time, you know, say, what does that mean? Yeah. You know, how does a person get saved? And then right after that, once they kind of understand that, it's the same thing with, well, can I do this? And can I do that? And Right. You know, well, how much how much can I do before I lose it? And, you know, so Matt's going to you're going to talk about that today, right, man?
2: Yeah. That's what I'm going to do. All
0: right. Well, let's go ahead and begin our lesson of this episode. It's Can We Lose Our Salvation?
2: All right, guys. Thanks a lot again. You know, thanks, Steve, and thanks, Eric, and, and thanks for all those that are listening as well, you know, that that are downloading these uh podcasts on the internet and uh, and also just uh, giving us uh, feedback. You know, what a blessing that is just to hear that uh, people are listening and actually getting uh, uh, just a blessing off of it. I know we're getting a blessing from you guys uh, for, for letting us know that. But uh, the topic tonight, again, is can we lose our salvation? And this is really important. I, I really truly believe that once you accept Christ as your saving, you're saved, this is really the next biggest step that you should learn, uh, whether you can lose your salvation or not. I mean, because if you're going to live for the Lord uh, the right way, uh, you really need to understand uh, whether you can lose it or not. You know, if, if you're saved, if you're truly saved, um, you know, to, to truly live for the Lord 100% and all out for Him, uh, you need to get this topic and this subject down cold and pat. Now, uh, just to start out, you know, I, I know I've said this a bunch of times, but I just want to repeat it for those that haven't heard it again. Uh, we here at That's in the Bible believe 100% in this King James Bible. We believe that it's pure, inerrant, and, and it's the pure words of God. We believe every single word in this King James Bible. You know, we don't believe that uh, any word... Uh, has to be translated any other way, or it could be translated better. You know, we don't have to go back to the Greek or Hebrew, anything like that. Uh, Our stand is that this King James Bible is our final authority in all matters of faith and practice. So what that means is that, you know, when we run up against a question like this, uh, a question of faith, such as, can you lose your salvation? Now what we do is we look right to the Bible uh, for the final answer. I mean you know the I think about um the big show that was out for a long time uh do you want to be a millionaire or something like that and they'd always ask is that your final answer <laughs> you know and and when you when you think about that the person has to really truly uh think about it and say okay yes that's my final answer but they a lot of times they would have a uh like phone a friend or phone, phone a family member for if they needed help on an answer and the amazing thing is is it's just like phoning a friend i mean we can Call up the Lord, you know ask him to to show us from the Bible from his words uh, what the final answer is, and that 's exactly what this King James Bible is you know when you 're looking up a subject to get that final answer, you look to this King James Bible, so again, uh, can we lose our salvation now first you know to to really understand this question, we have to understand what does it mean to be saved or or to have salvation now again, like Garrick said, um, Brother Steve did a perfect um, podcast, episode seventeen. Uh, titled, What Does It Mean to Be Saved? Uh, Great podcast. I think you should definitely check that out first. I plead with you, if you're not saved or you know know 100% sure that you're going to heaven, uh, that you press the pause button right now and go back uh, to that episode and listen to that first and get that settled. Um, But what it means to be saved is that you, there was a time in your life when you understood that you were a sinner. Romans uh, 3.23 says, For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. And the Bible says in Romans 6.23, for the wages of sin is death. So the Bible says, because of our sin, we deserve hell. Now, if there was a time in your life when you understood that you were on your way to hell because uh, of your sins, and then you repented of your sins, uh, and then accepted Jesus Christ as your Savior, and only Jesus Christ's blood is your Savior, uh, that's the only way you can get to heaven. If you've done that, if you called upon the Lord uh, to be your Savior, then you're saved. Now, again, the question is, now that you're saved, can you lose your salvation? So first, what I'm going to say is, no, you cannot lose your salvation. And I'm going to, again, I'm going to answer this from the Bible and show you what the Bible says, not what I say. Um, now, first, uh, you know, many times, again, when you first get saved, I know when I first accepted Christ as my Savior a little over four years ago, uh, Satan attacked me almost right away, <laughs> you know, and, and said, uh, you know what? You know, it brought somebody in my way that I was working with, uh, a couple of people that I was working with, um, uh, back in uh, in almost near New York City area there, they would say to me, okay, great, you're saved, but be careful. Be careful what you do because you can uh, lose your salvation. And I remember from growing up in uh, church till I was about eight years old uh, that that wasn't true. You know, I just, I just knew that that didn't sound correct, but I didn't have the Bible answers for it. I didn't have uh, the words of God to be able to back that up. So uh, that's what I want to do tonight is I want to show you from the word of God how you can uh, back up your salvation, that it's secure and you can't lose it. Um, now, number one, you have to understand that we're kept saved by the power of God. Now, you can't lose your salvation because you're not kept by your own selves, uh, but by uh, the power of God. Now, look with me in First Peter chapter 1. In verse 3, says, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, which according to his abundant mercy hath begotten us again unto a lively hope by the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead to an inheritance incorruptible and undefiled, and that fadeth not away, reserved in heaven for you, who are kept by the power of God, through faith, unto salvation, ready to be revealed in the last time. And it says right here, wherein ye greatly rejoice. Now the whole thing is that we know for sure, it says right here, we're kept by the power of God. And it says in verse 4, that uh, we have an inheritance that fadeth not away. It doesn't fade away, you know, we don't have to polish it up and make sure that uh, it's not going to fade away. It's God that keeps us saved through faith. And you see here in verse six, wherein Ye greatly rejoice I mean you can rejoice knowing for sure that you're going to heaven you know if you're if you're scared that you're gonna uh, lose your salvation you can't uh, rejoice you know you'd be scared the whole time whether or not you're going to lose it so firstly you have to understand that we're not kept by our own selves you know we're kept by the power of God now secondly we see that Jesus promises us eternal life turn with me to John chapter 3 and you'll see this um, John chapter 3 and verse 14. It says, and as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, even so must the Son of Man be lifted up, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have eternal life. Now look down in uh, verse 36, and it says, he that believeth on the Son hath everlasting life, and he that believeth not the Son uh, shall not see life, but the wrath of God abideth on him. He says right here, he says that if you believe... He that believeth on the name, uh, on the Son, hath everlasting life. That you have it. It's something that you have in your possession. Uh, John chapter 5, and look at verse 24. And you see here that it says, Verily, verily, I say unto you, He that heareth my word, and believeth on him that sent me, hath everlasting life, and shall not come into condemnation, but is passed from death unto life. Now, it doesn't say uh, you have everlasting life unless you do this or unless you do that. Uh, It says right here that it's something that you have. It's a current possession. And also in John chapter 6, verse 37, it says, All that the Father giveth me, this is Jesus Christ talking, All that the Father giveth me shall come to me, and him that cometh to me I will in no wise cast out. Now, if you come to Jesus Christ, have you accepted him as your Savior? If you have, he's not going to cast you out. Look in John chapter 10. This is one of the best uh, few verses right here uh, that I love to, uh, if you don't have this memorized, definitely memorize these uh, three verses right here that I'm going to read. John chapter 10, verse 27 says, My sheep hear my voice. Now, we know that uh, Jesus Christ is the good shepherd and uh, we are the sheep. And it says right here, my sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me. And I give unto them eternal life, and they shall never perish. Neither shall any man pluck them out of my hand. My Father, which gave them me, is greater than all, and no man is able to pluck them out of my Father's hand. I and my Father are one. I mean, we see here a a, a beautiful promise by Jesus Christ, that's saying those sheep that are mine. Nobody's going to be able to pluck them out of my hand, not the devil, not the, you know, the devil. People say the devil makes me do this, and he does. He tempts you sometimes. And God says nothing can, no temptations, nothing can, can uh, take that away. You can't be taken out of Jesus Christ's hands. Now, if God promises us everlasting life, he's not going to take it away. He's not an Indian giver. We see in Romans chapter 11, verse 29, it says, For the gifts and calling of God are without repentance. So God doesn't change his mind. Repentance means to, to uh, uh, have a change of heart or a change of mind. And we see here that God doesn't repent that, uh, the, gifts, the gifts that he gives out. And uh, we see here that one of the gifts that God gives out is Romans chapter 6, verse 23, which says, For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. So we see here that eternal life is one of those gifts that God does not repent of. Now, he's not going to change his mind with you. He's not going to say, okay, well, I've given you eternal life that's a gift, but you know what? You've been uh, sinning and doing all this stuff. I changed my mind. I changed my heart. I'm going to take that eternal life away from you. He says, you know, he's not going to do that. And again, in Ephesians chapter 2, verses 8 and 9, it's called a gift. It says, for by grace are you saved through faith, and that not of yourselves. It is a gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. So we see here that God's not going to take that gift away. Now, if God promises us eternal life, and once we receive that gift, um, he says he's not going to take it away. Now, if you still believe that you can lose it, uh, you have to make God a liar. Now, we know that God's not a liar. I mean, if he promised you eternal life and you say, I can still lose it, uh, then you're making God a liar. Titus chapter one, verse two says, in hope of eternal life, which God that cannot lie promised uh, before the world began. And you can also see in Numbers chapter 23, verse 19, it says, God is not a man that he should lie, neither the son of man that he should repent. Hath he said, and shall he not do it? Or hath he spoken, and shall he not make it good? I mean, he's telling you right here, He's not, he doesn't lie, he doesn't repent of what he said, and what he said will come to pass, will come to pass. He's going to make it good, because he is God, he's holy and righteous. And, uh, you know, people that say that, you know, God's not going to keep you saved, um, even after he's promised it, you know, it's making God out to be a liar. Now, when you look in Galatians chapter 4, you'll see another reason why we can't lose our salvation if you are saved. Galatians chapter 4, verse 9 says, But now, after that ye have known God, or rather are known of God how turn ye again to the weak and beggarly uh, beggarly elements wherein ye desire again to uh, be in bondage so what I want you to notice here is that it says that ye have known God and right here or rather are known of God so it says right here that you're known of God now turn with me for a second to uh, Matthew chapter 7 and don't forget that right there that it says that ye know God which means you've accepted him as your savior and now you're known of God because you've accepted him. And look in uh, Matthew chapter 7 and verse 19. It says, Every tree that bringeth not forth good fruit is hewn down and cast into the fire. Wherefore, by their fruits ye shall know them. Right here in verse 21, Not every one that saith unto me, Lord, Lord, shall enter into the kingdom of heaven, but he that doeth the will of my Father which is in heaven. Many shall say to me in that day, Lord, Lord, have we not prophesied in thy name? In thy name have cast out devils, in thy name done many wonderful works. And then will I profess unto them, I never knew you. Depart from me, ye that work iniquity. Now this is showing that uh, at the white throne judgment, when uh, those that are lost are going to be judged uh, by Jesus Christ, on his throne it says right here that he's going to cast those that are lost um and profess to be christians you know profess to do good deeds in his in his name but are lost he's going to say i never knew you um and uh depart from me ye that work iniquity and send them to hell now how can that be if he says that he knows you and then he says i never knew you and send you to hell now that would make god a liar you know, if if he's saying that I'm going to send you to hell, I never knew you, uh, he'd be lying because if you've accepted Christ as your Savior, he knows you. Now, fourthly, we see that uh, for God to send someone to hell that is saved, he would have to, uh, it, it would involve cutting uh, off parts of Jesus Christ's body. He, you might say, well, you know, what are you talking about? Well, turn with me. Turn with me to Ephesians chapter 5, and you'll see what I'm talking about here. Ephesians chapter 5. Now, you know, if if you're truly scared about going to hell uh once you're once you're saved you don't need to be i mean jesus christ has already paid that one sacrifice the book of hebrews says that uh the one sacrifice that take away the sins forever uh and uh he doesn't have to do it anymore it says right here in uh, ephesians chapter 5 let 's go back up to uh, verse twenty eight it says, so ought men to love their wives as their own bodies. He that loveth his wife loveth himself for no man ever yet hated his own flesh, but nourisheth it uh, nourish, nourisheth and cherish it, cherisheth it, even as the Lord the church so he 's saying right here, you know when you become uh, when you get married to a man or a woman, you become one flesh. And he's talking about the same thing that happens in the church. It says in verse 30, For we are members of his body, of his flesh, and of his bones. For this cause shall a man leave his father and mother, and shall be joined unto his wife, and they shall be, uh, shall be one flesh. This is a great mystery, but I speak concerning Christ and the church. So just uh, as when uh, a husband and wife join flesh, uh, and become one flesh Same thing happens when we accept Christ as our Savior We become uh, we, we are born into the church Into God's body Into Christ's body And we say here, see here in verse 30 It says for we are members of his body Of his flesh and of his bones So we're part of his bones, of his flesh and his body So so for, uh, uh, for you to go to hell He'd have to cut out part of his body Part of his flesh And you'd have to pretty much mutilate Jesus Christ uh, To get you to go to hell And uh, that, I just don't see Jesus Christ doing that now, fifthly, the Bible tells us that when we are saved, we are then predestinated. Now, a lot of people, even Baptists, have a lot of problems with this word predestination because they get so scared from the Calvinists. I mean, you hear uh you know people uh, talk about predestination, and just to tell you a little bit about what uh, Calvinists believe they they believe that and they use the word predestination as God knew who was going to be saved, and uh you know they were The other people are going to be damned. So those that don't accept Christ as their Savior, they were predestined to go to hell. And those that are saved were always from the very foundation of the world were predestined to go to heaven. Now, that's not what this uh, is talking about. Uh, Predestination in the Bible right here, John chapter 14, verse 3 says, this is Jesus Christ talking. Actually, let's start in verse 1. John chapter 14, verse 1, "'Let not your heart be troubled. Ye believe in God, believe also in me.'" In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you, i go to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you unto myself, that where I am, there you may be also. So here we have uh, uh, you being predestinated to go to heaven. Right here he says, and if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again. Again, he says he's going to come again and take you up to heaven. Um, Also look in Ephesians. Actually, go to Romans first. Romans chapter 8. In Romans chapter 8 verse 29. It says right here, for whom he did foreknow, he also did predestinate to be conformed to the image of his son, that he might be the firstborn among many brethren. Moreover, whom he did predestinate, them he also called; in whom he called, them he also justified; in whom he justified, them he also glorified. So here we see we're predestined. Once we accept Christ as our Savior, we're predestined to be conformed to the image of the Son, that we know that we know we're going to have a glorified body just like Jesus Christ, and we're predestinated. I mean, once we're saved, we're not in heaven yet. But well, we're predestined to go to heaven. I mean, it's 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 in our destiny that we're going to go to heaven. Now, Ephesians chapter 1, turn there, and you'll see more about this. Ephesians chapter 1 and verse 11. "...in whom also we have obtained an inheritance, being predestinated according to the purpose of him who worketh all things after the counsel of his own will." Uh, that we should be to the praise of his glory, who first trusted in Christ. Now, if you trusted in Christ, you're predestinated. We have a predestined inheritance in heaven. Now, you're going to heaven. You're predestinated that way. Now, many people like to flip back to the Old Testament, and they like to say, hey, look at this. You know, uh, we see that it's not the same in the Old Testament. And it's true. There's things in the Old Testament that aren't. Right now in the New Testament, especially in this dispensation, are the same, and they try and prove those verses. You know, they try and go back to the Old Testament and say, "Well, look, you know, it's it's not the same way. So this is how it was in the Old Testament. It's the same now." But that's not rightly really dividing the Word of God. Again, Second Timothy chapter two verse fifteen says, "Study to show thyself approved unto God, a workman that needeth not to be ashamed, rightly dividing the Word of truth." So there's divisions in the Bible, and you can see that, and that's what you have to do. If you don't rightly divide your Bible, you're going to break your neck on it. Now, when you look in, uh, let's see here, I'm going to show you three things that are are different from being saved now to how people, uh, you know, what happened when people got saved in the Old Testament. Now, when we are saved now, we're born again into God's family. We become a son of God or a daughter of God. And uh, you look back in John chapter 3. Jesus says that ye must be born again. He says you cannot see the kingdom of God unless you are born again. And he says that it's something that needs to be done. You need to be born again. Look with me in John chapter 3, verse 3. And this is Jesus talking to Nicodemus. He's saying, uh, this says, Jesus answered and said unto him, Verily, verily, I say unto thee, Except a man be born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Marvel not that I said unto thee, ye must be born again. So we see here that uh, this is something that was never in the Old Testament. You can never show me a verse in the Old Testament that says that this person was born again or that this one person was born again. This is something totally new uh, that's happening now in the in the New Testament. You also see, uh, let's see here, if you turn to First uh, Peter chapter 1, in First Peter chapter 1 verse 23 it says, Being born again, not of corruptible seed, but of incorruptible, by the word of God, which liveth and abideth forever. So we see here that once you are born again, you're born into God's seed. Now back there uh, in John chapter 3, we saw that that which is born of water Is water, and that which is born of spirit is spirit. So we see that you have your water birth. That's when you're born from your mother, physical. But you have to have a spiritual birth, and that was that never took place in the Old Testament. You never saw somebody, anybody in the Old Testament ever was born again. And we see here in John chapter one verse twelve. If you go back to John chapter one verse twelve, you see something happens now that Jesus Christ shows up. John chapter one verse twelve. But as many as received him, talking about whoever received Jesus Christ, to them gave he power to become the sons of God, even to them that believe on his name. So if you've accepted Christ as your Savior, you're a son or daughter of God. Uh, and again, once you're a son or daughter of God, you can't lose your salvation. I mean, we like to use this, uh, and I like to use it a lot, the whole representation or the, the, the whole type of a uh, father and son. You know, say I uh, steal... 50 bucks from my dad, $50 from my dad, uh, you know, he'll get pretty mad at me, I'm sure, for taking that money. But does that change the fact that uh, we're still blood related, that we're still father and son? No, it doesn't. Now, I lose fellowship with my father, you know, he'll, he'll probably be pretty mad at me until I go to him and repent, you know, say, say dad, I'm so sorry about, you know, stealing that money. I didn't mean to, um, you know, whatever I can do to make it up, you know, and, and just just apologize for it. He'll forgive me. You know, if he's a, if he's a righteous and just and, and a loving father, and of course God is, he's going to forgive you and restore fellowship. And that's exactly what happens. You know, when, when you're a, a son or daughter of God, you can't lose that, that standing with God. So we see that's one new thing that's happened since the Old Testament. Now, we also have something else that the Old Testament saints never had, and that's the indwelling Holy Spirit. Um, and, uh, if you look back, I, I, hear this all the time. I mean, people talk about Saul, you know, I, I hear it all the time when I say, you know, you can't lose your salvation. And what people say is, oh, you know, well, what about, uh, Saul? Don't tell that to Saul. Well, let's look back. Something's different about the old Testament. Turn back with me to first Samuel chapter, t- uh, chapter 10, first Samuel chapter 10 and verse five. And what this whole passage of Scripture is about is, in First uh, Samuel chapter 10, verse one, uh, uh, Samuel takes a vial of oil and uh, anoints Saul uh, because he's going to be king. And here we have Samuel talking to Saul right here. in First Samuel chapter t- 10, verse five. And it says, After that, thou shalt come to the hill of God, where is the garrison of the Philistines, and it shall come to pass, when thou art come thither to the city, that thou shalt meet a company of prophets, coming down from the high place, with a psaltery, and a tabret, and a pipe, and a harp before them, and they shall prophesy. And the Spirit of the Lord will come upon thee, and thou shalt prophesy with them, and shalt be turned into another man. And let it be uh, when these signs are come unto thee, that thou do as occasion serve thee, for God is with thee. So we hear, we see here that uh, that uh, that David, uh, not David, I'm sorry, that Saul got the the Holy Spirit here. Okay, now look with me in First Samuel chapter uh, sixteen, and we'll see something happens here. And this is, you know, if if you're saved, you'll get these verses a uh, hundred times. First uh, Samuel chapter sixteen, verse fourteen. It says, but the spirit of the Lord departed from Saul and an evil spirit from the Lord troubled him. So now we've got something totally different today. We see here in the Old Testament that the Holy Spirit was never indwelling, that they were never sealed with the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit could come and go as it pleased. uh, And it never always stayed just with them all the time. Um, It could leave at any time. But we see that that's totally different than today. Look with me in Ephesians chapter 1. We have uh, a a beautiful uh, promise here. Ephesians chapter one verse thirteen says in whom ye also trusted talking about Jesus Christ, after that ye heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, in whom also after that ye believed you were sealed with that holy Spirit of promise, which is the earnest of our inheritance until the redemption of the purchased possession. Under the praise of his glory. So we see here that we're sealed by the Holy Spirit of promise. Now, that Holy Spirit can't leave us. We see there that uh, it says until the, uh, uh, let's see, until the purchased possession, unto the praise of his glory, uh, the redemption of the purchased possession. So who's the purchased possession? We are. So it says right here that we're sealed until uh, he comes back and takes the possession, until the rapture. And we see that again in Ephesians chapter 4, verse 30 says, And grieve not the Holy Spirit of God, whereby you're sealed until the day of redemption. You're sealed with that Holy Spirit until the day of redemption. Nobody in the Old Testament ever had that. So there's something totally new here. Um, if you look in First Corinthians chapter 6, verse 19 through 20, it says, What? Know ye not that your body is a temple of the Holy Ghost, which is in you, which ye have of God, and ye are not your own, for you are bought with a price. Therefore glorify God in your body and your spirit, which are God's. All right, so you see here that... Um, that you have that Holy Spirit indwelling in you, that that your body is the temple of that Holy Ghost. And that's how God dwells with you now. You know, we don't have that Old Testament temple where God couldn't come down uh, and be the in the Holy of Holies and be with the people. Now the way he's with us is by the Holy Spirit. And it says that we're sealed. We can't lose it. Now this permanent indwelling of the Holy Spirit, uh, again, is something new that was never in the Old Testament. And we see that in John chapter 14. You see Jesus Christ talking about this, and it was something totally new. You know, All these people knew about that the Holy Spirit would come and go, but here Jesus Christ is talking about the whole indwelling spirit that he's going to send them. John chapter 14, verse 16 says, And I will pray the Father, and he shall give you another comforter, that he may abide with you forever, even the Spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive, because it seeth him not, neither knoweth him, but ye know him, for he dwelleth Uh, he dwelleth with you and shall be in you. Uh, Look down with me in verse 26. But the Comforter, which is the Holy Ghost, whom the Father will send in my name, he shall teach you all things and bring all things to your remembrance, whatsoever I have said unto you. Now, uh, turn with me to John chapter 15, just another uh, chapter over, verse 26. And it says right here, but when the Comforter is come, whom I will send uh, send unto you from the Father, even the Spirit of truth, which proceedeth from... Uh, from the father, he shall testify of me and ye also shall bear witness because ye have been with me from the beginning. Now, uh, look to, uh, let's see, John chapter 16, John chapter 16 and verse seven. Nevertheless, I tell you the truth. It is expedient for you that I go away for I go not away for if I go not away, the comforter will not come unto you. But if I depart, I will send him unto you. And when he has come, he will reprove the world of sin. So we see here that Jesus Christ is saying, "Listen, if I don't go away, if I don't, if I'm not crucified uh, and uh, buried and rise again the third day, if I'm not taken out of this world, that Holy Spirit's not going to come and it's not going to indwell you. So that's why he had to die and be crucified and raise again, not only to uh, to wash us from our sins, but also have that. Uh, indwelling Holy Spirit in us in verse twelve, I have yet many things to say unto you, but ye cannot bear them now. howbeit how when he the spirit of truth is come, he will guide you into all truth, for he shall not speak of himself, but whatsoever he shall whatsoever he shall hear that shall he speak, and he will show you things to come. So again, we see here Jesus Christ is talking something new that the disciples and the apostles have never heard before now. The last thing, the third thing that happens to us now that the Old Testament saints didn't have is that when we're saved today, we take on, uh we receive the, the righteousness of Jesus Christ. Now the Old Testament saints never had this. Now look in Romans uh chapter three. Romans chapter three. Once we accept Christ as our Savior, we receive his righteousness. Um, we've talked about that before. I believe Steve talked about that in the last podcast and and then, uh, episode 17. And he said that, uh, you know, you pretty much make a trade and what a, what a terrible trade that is for, for the Lord. I mean, uh, because what we do is we give him all our sins and he gives us eternal life. I mean, it doesn't seem fair, but praise the Lord. I mean, that's his mercy that he saves us. Romans chapter three, verse 21 But now the righteousness of God without the law is manifested, being witnessed by the law in the prophets, even the righteousness of God, which is by faith of Jesus Christ unto all and upon all them that believe, for there is no difference. So we see here that if you believe in Lord Jesus Christ, you receive the righteousness of God. You don't get to heaven by your own righteousness, but by taking on Jesus Christ's righteousness. And uh, we'll go a couple of these verses. There's a whole bunch of verses on all this. But if you go to Romans chapter 4, verses 8 and 9. It says, Blessed is the man to whom the Lord will not impute sin. Come with this blessedness then upon the circumcision only, or upon the uncircumcision also? For we say that faith was reckoned to Abraham for righteousness. So we see here that once we're saved, God is not going to impute sin onto us. Romans chapter 10, turn there real quick with me. Romans chapter 10, verse 3. Uh for they being ignorant of God's righteousness and going about to establish their own righteousness have not submitted themselves under the righteousness of God for Christ is the end of the law for righteousness to everyone that believeth. So if you believe, if you've accepted Christ as your savior, this says right here, God says that Christ is the end of the law for righteousness. So you don't have to keep trying to keep the law, you know, to to be righteous, to be able to go to heaven and to be saved. The Bible says that uh Christ is the end of the law. You know, of course, we're supposed to, you know, uh, try and keep the Ten Commandments the best we can for our testimony, for our walk with the Lord, for our fellowship with the Lord, as we said before. Uh, but that's not uh, dependent upon if we get to heaven or not. Now, um, if you go to Titus chapter 3, Titus chapter 3. chapter three, verse four says, but after that, the kindness and love of God, our savior toward men appeared not by works of righteousness, which we have done, but according to his mercy, he saved us by the washing of regeneration and renewing of the Holy Ghost, which he shed on us abundantly through Jesus Christ, our savior, that being justified by his grace, we should be made heirs according to the hope of eternal life. Now turn with me to verse 14 and let ours also learn to maintain good works for necessary uses that they be not unfruitful. Um, so you see here that, you know, good works is not gonna, uh, is not gonna, uh, uh, keep us saved. We see here that good works is, uh, keeps us fruitful. And actually, uh, I think I skipped over it. If you look in verse 8, this is a faithful saying, and these things I will that they affirm constantly that they which have believed in God might be careful to maintain good works, not so that you can stay saved, but these things are good and profitable unto men. It says right here that's profitable unto men. It's a good witness. It's a good testimony uh, that you can, and it's profitable unto men if you do good works after you're saved. I mean, they see there's a change in you. We're supposed to be a peculiar people and zealous of good works. Now, uh, now, in closing, the big thing that I want to talk about uh, is that if you truly believe um, that you can lose your salvation, I just have a question. I mean, the big question is, is that how do you become unborn again? Now, we've talked about this before, uh, just a little while ago, about when you are born into God's family, uh, uh, how can you become unborn? I mean, we're born into uh, to the world here by flesh, all right? Now, you can die here in the world, but how do you become unborn? You were born once. Now, how do you become unborn? Now, if God uses that reference in John chapter 3, and he says that which is born of water is water, and that which is born of spirit is spirit. Uh, now, if you do that and you try and uh, compare those two, they don't compare anymore. Because if you say that you can be unborn uh, uh, spiritually, but you can't be unborn physically, there's something wrong there. And so that's my question to you. I mean, when when uh, Jesus Christ says that you cannot lose your salvation, that he gives you eternal life, how can you make God God a liar? You know, I pray if if somebody, you know, was taught this when they were young or growing up or since they've been saved, I pray that you truly look this and search this out. Uh, because like I've said before, I mean, to, to be able to truly uh, work for the Lord uh, with a right heart. I mean, if you're working for the Lord to stay saved, uh, then you're not going to do uh, uh, the right heart attitude for God. And the last verse I want to end with is Matthew chapter 11. And we see here in verses 28 and 29, we see Jesus Christ says, Come unto me, all you that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn of me, for I am meek and lowly in heart, and you shall find rest unto your souls. Now, how do you have rest unto your souls if you're always terrified, not knowing whether you have lost your salvation or not? You know, if you're saved, praise the Lord. You know, we're kept saved by the power of God. Now, you know, all I can say is just go out and live for the Lord. You know, he's, he's such a merciful and grace, gracious God. Uh, he's just the best, you know, we could have ever asked for and more, you know, and, and go out and live for the Lord. Don't worry about losing your salvation, but worry about uh, uh, just doing the best you can. You know, there's no way that we can repay God for what he's done. You know, just dying on that cross and, uh, and giving us an inheritance in heaven that's un- incorruptible and undefiled. Let's just try and live for him the best we can. All right. Thanks, guys.
0: All right, thank you, Matthew. Um, Amen. That was good. A lot of good things that were were said there. I think, in particular, for me, one of the things that always struck home was the uh, the analogy of the father and son. You know that
1: mm-hmm.
0: that uh, that new birth that we become a, a child of God through that new birth and Amen. and through that uh, spiritual circumcision from Colossians two eleven and and while you know the difference between standing and state, well, we may um, do some things that displease God. It doesn't. It doesn't change the fact that we're still a child of God. So it's and again, that's that, to me that's always uh, it's always uh, been a good analogy. It's always been a good reference for me to take a look at and to remember.
1: Well, hey, Amen. Uh, the one thing that you did say there that that uh, I guess could say struck a uh, chord with me was the fact that how can you be unborn? Yeah, uh, which is a good point. I mean, you know, the Lord gives us that illustration to show us exactly what being born again is. And, uh, you know, uh, the fact that you can't be unborn physically other than death... You know, it's, it's kind of a kind of a strange thing. You can't say, okay, I don't want to be here anymore. Therefore, I'm not here anymore. <laughs> yeah, <I> know. <laughs> you know that, <laughs> that's pretty good. Uh, one of the verses, I guess, I kind of hold on to. And and forgive me if I uh, I'm I'm speaking tongue in cheek here, Matt. Just letting you know right o right off the bat. But if you you went so fast through some of those things, I might have missed it. But uh, uh, in Second Timothy chapter one and verse, uh, verse 12, it says, uh, "For the which cause I also suffer these things, nevertheless, I am not ashamed, for I know whom I have believed, and am persuaded that he is able to keep that which I have committed unto him against that day. Amen. And what I committed to the Lord Jesus Christ and what any person commits to the Lord Jesus Christ, the, the moment of their salvation is their soul. And uh what Paul's talking about here when he says this is that he has committed his soul to Jesus Christ and he's persuaded that he is able. Not not Paul's able, but the Lord Jesus Christ is able to keep that which he has committed unto him against that day. So right. great assurance of the fact that that it's not us that has to to uh you know, keep it, but it's the Lord Jesus Christ that keeps it. And just one other thing for those that uh, don't think we do this justice or or even think about this, you know, one of the the great complaints of those that believe a person can lose their salvation is the argument stating that, uh, well, if you think you're once saved, always saved, then you can go out and sin, do whatever you want. No, that's not the case. Uh, You know, in Romans chapter 6, verse 1, it says, what shall we say then? Shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? <laughs> God forbid. How shall we that are dead to sin live any longer therein? Of course, you can go on and read the rest of that. You know, when you gave the illustration of the Father and the Son, it says in Hebrews that He deals with us as with sons. Amen. So if we get out of line and we sin and sin presumptuously... Then the Lord takes the hammer and and whacks us, <laughs> a good one, yeah. you know. When, and that's one of the ways, of course, according to Hebrews chapter twelve. If you know that you're a son of God, if you receive chastisement for your sin, you know, willful sin and not willing to, to confess it, you know, won't think you're going to get away with it. If you receive chastisement, you know, you're a son. If you're not receiving chastisement for it, then you ought to go back there and check it out and find out whether you're saved or not. So, you know, we just can't go out there and just do whatever we want and uh, think we're going to get away with it because uh, God's going to chastise us. And I've got story after story after story that could tell you just plain and and sure how that really is a reality and how you how you know it (laughs) yeah i mean when the lord chastises you i mean man i know it (laughs) (laughs) and uh you know there's no getting around it i'm sorry lord i'm sorry you know and (laughs) and, you know get, get as close to him as i can and get you know my kids always, if if I was ever going to chastise them, uh, they always tried to get as close as they could. It it always <laughs> reduced the impact. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, uh, you know, it's it's a good thing to get chastised for the from the Lord, because you know that first of all you're saved, and He's trying to get you right, and uh, second of all, if you receive it in the right spirit, uh, you're going to grow from it. Amen. So. Good lesson, Matt. Good lesson. Yeah, thank you. I so appreciate it,
2: guys. Yeah, and, I wanna, I'm sorry, Dad, Go ahead. I was just
0: going to say, I remember Steve many years ago that you, he would uh, refer to John 10, 27, 28.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: My sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me, and I give unto them eternal life, and they shall never perish. Neither shall any man pluck them out of my hand. Yeah, you're, beautiful. You're, you're going to be able to pluck 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 uh, yourself out of God's hand. <laughs> <laughs> really, yeah. that's what Steve used to say all the time, and that that always oh, struck home with me. And also, the you know he says, "I give unto them eternal life." Well, if if you could lose it, then it wouldn't be eternal life; it would be like temporary
1: life. Yeah, that's it. Uh, amen. So that's
0: it doesn't make any sense. It just on that on that basis alone, he right. he would have to say, "I give unto them life until they lose it." <laughs> right, oh, yeah. and that's you right. know what? I think we all would lose it.
1: <laughs> <laughs> and You're absolutely right. You know, I, let me jump in here, man. I know, I know, you got something to say here, but you know, just the fact that that someone. After hearing these verses with doubt, and there's, to be honest with you, there are verses in there that, that indicate that a person can lose their salvation. Yeah. And, uh, you know, without going through a long explanation, that's for another people at another time. Amen. but And we could get back to that at another time as well. but But just the fact that after the verses that you've heard and the number of verses that you've heard, and you still doubt it you know what you 're doing you 're not trusting God Amen. because he said he would keep you that he would give you eternal life that he would give you a gift, and uh, you know trying to add works unto it in this day and time is uh, is is working for your salvation it says but to him that uh, to, that believeth uh, oh man I got, got the verse messed up It's romans Romans 5.4. Let me get there real quick. Uh, it's basically showing that there's no works involved in it. Uh, it's not 5.4. It's got to be 4, five. There it is. But to him that worketh not, but believeth on him that justifieth the ungodly, his faith is counted for righteousness. Right. So it's not by works, and there's no works in keeping it. Uh acts chapter 15 they go through the council and they're telling them that after they get saved they've got to keep the commandments and they come to a conclusion that a man is justified by faith without the deeds of the law amen. and uh so you can't you know as much as you may want to try to hang on to it god's hanging on to you you <laughs> amen. just enjoy the ride amen
2: <laughs> and you know uh, one of my favorite verses just in closing is first uh, John chapter three verse nine I don't think I said this, but this is again goes again uh, goes uh, uh, with being born of God uh first john 3 9 whosoever is born of god doth not commit sin for his seed remaineth in him and he cannot sin because he is born of god i mean right there we see that uh you can't commit sin you know your soul your spirit has been born of god you can't you can't commit sin now this flesh can sin but but uh you know we've already seen in in romans chapter 7 that paul had problems with his flesh but he went to heaven you know and and uh and the big thing is like steve was talking about too with uh those verses that say that you can lose your salvation in the book of Hebrews and Hebrews chapter 6, Hebrews chapter 12, I hear that all the time. But again, that's to the Hebrews, and that's mainly to the Hebrews and the, uh, the people in the tribulation that go through that. You know, they have to uh, not take the mark of the beast, you know, all that kind of stuff. It's a total change right. thing. Just like the Old Testament was changed in the New Testament, so will it change with the tribulation.
0: All right, well, we're out of time. We'll see everybody next time.
2: This has been a production
0: of the That's in the Bible podcast. To leave a comment or to ask a question, visit our website at thatsinthebible.com or email us at thatsinthebible at gmail.com or call our listener feedback voicemail at 716 584 Again, that's 716 584 As
1: always, thanks for listening and press on.